friends how is everybody this i think it's thursday morning right and uh, hopefully you're doing well this morning and uh, you have a little java in your system because uh, java is a helpful thing um little coffee in the morning i don't know if, if teenagers drink coffee i did i started drinking coffee when I was, uh, oh, I don't know, five, maybe, uh, very, very young, very young when I started drinking coffee, and I took my coffee with cream and two sugars. That's how I took my coffee for years and years and years. Um, I, I like lattes. Uh, I like, uh, I like, uh, 
triple venti caramel macchiatos, um, things like that, although I shouldn't drink too many of those. I had one the other day. I got sugar-free caramel uh, macchiato with almond milk and some stevia in it, trying to cut back on the old carbs there. Uh, how do you like your coffee? I'm just wondering. Okay, Aaron's drinking coffee with creamer, no sugar. I drink hot water with cinnamon. Well, you could always put cinnamon in your coffee. Cinnamon's a good thing. Cinnamon is good for your metabolism. Cinnamon is good at helping regulate blood sugars and things of that nature. Uh, I don't have cinnamon in my coffee. I, I like to put cinnamon in my coffee if I have like a latte or something like that. But we're not here to talk about coffee. We're here to talk about Jesus. We're here to talk about the Christian life. We're here to talk about how to live as a follower of Christ, and not only to live as a follower, but to grow as a follower. We are to be growing in our relationship with Jesus and in our followership of Jesus and in the impact that we have. Everybody's talking now about their coffee um, in the comments, which is fantastic. I, I raised the subject, and comments are good things, so we have people talking about their coffee uh, preferences here. One person, Fran, good morning, coffee, light cream. I feel like I should be a barista this morning. You know, we should just get together and drink coffee. We haven't been to breakfast in a while. We need to do that one of these days again. Uh, in fact, we need to do it maybe before Priscilla leaves. So we've got only like a week left, I think, that we could squeeze something in. So maybe a week from Friday or something would work. Uh, Jessica, coffee with just milk. Um, Priscilla drinks coffee with silk in it, and, uh, you know, I. how do the rest of you take your coffee? You can leave your comments there, and we have a little fun. This is about relationship. You know, discipleship and disciple-making is relationship building, and uh, it's all about the relationships. And those of us that get up here at 6 a.m. and have been doing this uh, study of Scripture together for the last few years— it's the relationship. We all have a relationship with each other and to get to spend time with each other in this way. Those of you that maybe listen in later or listen to a podcast or something later on, uh, just think about yourself. What do you like for coffee? And, uh, you know, if you were in a relationship with, with another believer and you're meeting for coffee, how would they take their coffee if you were to order? I know if I were getting coffee for Steve Hopkins. I would get his coffee black. How do I know that? Because he says it in the comments right here. That's how I know that. And if I were having coffee with uh, Fran, it would be coffee and light cream. You know, um, somebody could bring us some good muffins from Wells, Vermont. And that would be really, really good to have with coffee as well. And Dinah Kay telling us decaf with cream and caramel. Uh-huh. Yep. Melody, uh, black, no sugar. So we're talking about our coffee preferences. I don't know if Jesus drank coffee. I don't know if they even had coffee in Jesus' day. That would be interesting. Would was there was there coffee in the uh, you know year thirty A.D. as an example? That would be a good thing to research and find out if there may have been coffee in those days. Anyway, we're not here for coffee. We're here for Jesus. Uh, and really what I want to look at today with you is uh, learning John's introduction. When I say John, I'm talking, there's, there's 
John the Baptist uh, gives introduction to Jesus. Uh, I use this book here called the, the, where am I going here? Here we go. The Harmony of the Gospels. Which camera am I on? The, the Harmony of the Gospels, Thomas and uh, Gundry. Uh, this is the New International Version that I use. And what it does is puts in kind of the, the sequence, uh, you know, what it says in Matthew, what it says in Mark, what it says in Luke. They're the synoptic gospels. Those three go together. John's gospel is a little bit different of a gospel. He comes at it from a little bit different angle. Um, and uh, as he comes at it from a different angle, we get some different insights into Jesus. So you have those four. You have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John who who give you their unique insights into Jesus in Matthew, we will pick up in chapter 3 some of what is said uh, and some of the experience of John. So let me take you over to the book of Matthew, the third chapter. It says, in those days, uh, John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, one of the things that I, I just want to talk about in this, uh, uh, in this connection is the idea of repent. We don't like this in our day. It was necessary in the in the days of John the Baptist to speak repent. What is repent? Repent is to turn from our sins. There are many things in our world that are coming fully, full throttle against the truth of God. Uh, and there are people who are living full throttle against the truth of God, people who are rejecting the truth of God. Um both in their, their thinking, in their opinions, uh, as well as in their lifestyle. And so they're saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, the fact of the matter is there is truth. There is long-lasting eternal truth. There is right and wrong. God determines the standard. Uh, and so what, what we've done in American culture and modern culture, I perhaps could say more broadly with around the globe, is we're saying, well, if we if a, if what God says doesn't agree with us, then God is wrong. Uh, and yet you can talk to any number of people who have different opinions about what is right and what is wrong. And so if we throw that all out the window, who determines what is right and what is wrong? Now I, I have been watching uh good morning, Daniel. I uh, see Daniel listening as well. Uh, I have been watching and lots of different videos that come up, short videos uh, about the narrative being given to us by people who want to be called by all kinds of different pronouns uh, and, and telling us that because we don't recognize them for how they recognize themselves, even though as we look at them, it's like you're a he or you're a she. Uh, so you want to look like a she but be a he. Uh, but I'm wrong because I don't recognize the fact that you are actually what you look like, but yet you think you're something different. And I mean, this, this whole narrative that, that they're telling us all, Hey, you're wrong because you don't recognize me for what I want to be. Um, the fact of the matter is uh, th there is a great delusion taking place. There is a great satanic delusion taking place. 
in in this regard. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't love these folks. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be kind to these folks. I'm not saying that we shouldn't try to, um, you know, engage with these folks and demonstrate the love of Christ to these folks and 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 so on. But but what's happening is. Uh, this this minority of people uh, has such a, a a clarion voice in culture right now because we've given them the microphone, and we're they're telling the rest of us, the majority of us, that we're wrong uh, because we don't want to go along with their narrative and their narrative of you know you need to call me for what I identify myself as, not for what I am, and. Um, Bottom line is, and I know this is tough stuff to listen to perhaps for, for some, there is the need of repentance, and, and God need God is raising up, and God will raise up people who will preach the message of repentance. The kingdom of heaven is near. I don't want to be on the wrong side of God. I don't want to be on the wrong side of truth. Now, now this, this is all preparatory to when Jesus would show up. But we live in a day and a culture and in modernized Christianity where where we just want to be this soft, fluffy thing, uh, and you know we just want to be accepting of everyone and and so on and so forth. And the fact of the matter is, the Bible isn't. Now, you know, and that doesn't. And let me just soften this a little bit for us. That doesn't mean that that different ones uh, of us or of Christians don't struggle with some of these things. This isn't to say that Christians don't struggle with same-sex attraction. They do. Uh, this isn't to say that, uh, that that Christians don't struggle with, you know, girls wanting to be with girls and, and guys want to be with guys, this whole same-sex thing. It, 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 it is a, a struggle uh, that is there that, that some Christians, I'm not saying all, but, but the choice that we have to make is, okay, well, Will I cave to my desires, or or will I uh, bow before what God says? And we have to make a choice. That therein lies the reality of temptation. We'll get to chapter four sometime of the the book of Matthew, uh, the book of Luke, and we'll, we'll look at the temptation of Jesus. It tells us that Jesus was tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. So, you know, if if that means, and there's a couple different ways to interpret what it means when it says he was tempted in every way we are, perhaps it means, some would say it means that he was tempted in ways that um, the, the weight of his temptation was so much greater that it equals being tempted in every way. That That is how some will take that. Others will take that to mean that uh, he was tempted in every way. So if you were tempted about with, with food stuff, he was tempted with food stuff. I say like overeating or, you know, wanting to, I don't know if he had ice cream in his day, but wanting to eat the whole carton of ice cream or uh, wanting to drink too much coffee or wanting to um, engage in too much wine or so those types of things, the food related things uh, Jesus perhaps was tempted with depression, perhaps, um, perhaps he was tempted with uh, thoughts of despair. Uh, perhaps he he was tempted by by uh, lust. Um, perhaps he was tempted by women. Perhaps he was tempted by men. 
It says, if he was tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin, the point of the matter is he didn't sin. For us to understand, to live the Christian life, uh, there are things from which we need to repent. There are things from which we need to turn. Uh, The kingdom of heaven is near. Now, what we would say is perhaps the return of Christ is near, and we need to be ready for that return. And uh, part of being ready is is walking with Jesus in ways that, uh, you know, where, where we resist our temptation, where we resist our flesh, where we resist uh, the devil, where we resist the world. John's message that we read here in, in the book of Matthew begins, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And then it goes on and says... This is, the, this is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Now remember, Jesus was uh, John was the cousin of Jesus. You go back into some of the earlier chapters here in, in Matthew or in Luke, and, and you see the relationship between Jesus and uh, John. So they are cousins. This John is the one who is out saying, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so, I mean, that would be the same thing we could say in our day. Prepare the way for the Lord. Prepare the way for the Lord in your heart. Prepare the way for the Lord in hearing the message. Prepare the way of the Lord in um, in repentance. Prepare the way of the Lord in, in, in readying your heart and your mind for him. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. Get the way ready for him. Now, it goes on and talks about further about John. It says John's clothes were made of camel's hair. He had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. I don't know if they had chocolate for the locust ever. Don't know, but we do know they had locusts and wild honey. Some said that locusts, like dried locusts, kind of just taste like salt a little bit. That's what somebody has said says that people went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Now, what we try to do is is make the message appealing to to people based on the worldly standard. Uh, But the fact of the matter is what people need to hear is the true gospel. Now, we, we do believe Jesus would go on and say, as, as we go on in the days, more and more people will harden their hearts toward the gospel. More and more people will let their love for God grow cold. Um, as this gospel is preached, there will come a point in time when the gospel will not be a popular message. However, in the days of John, as he was proclaiming the, the precursor to the gospel that would come with Jesus, People were going out to him. He was saying something different than the standard fare. He was saying something different than the religious leaders were saying. He was saying different than than the culture, the the Greco-Roman culture was saying. He was giving the precursor message to the gospel of God that would come through Jesus, and people were going out to him. I think as churches what we need to be able to do is to say, we're going to proclaim the message that the Lord has given us. It may not be a popular message. We're going to proclaim that message. In churches, we need to practice the things that non-Christians expect us to do. So often what we do in churches is 
well, we don't want to offend anybody, so we we don't do the Christian things that non-Christians are looking for in the first place. Non-Christians are looking for the power of God, and that power of God is found in heartfelt worship. That power of God is found in in interdependent prayer. Uh, and so we need to give ourselves to worship. We need to give ourselves to God in prayer in the corporate gathering. Uh, and we need to give ourselves to open Bibles in the corporate gathering. We need to give ourselves to bowing down before the Lord in the corporate gathering. Not so concerned with, are we going to scare away a non-Christian, but we want to show a non-Christian what the Christian life is all about. Now, here's another little interesting tidbit about John and Jesus. Uh, you, you could look at John as the legalist, and you could look at Jesus in essence, if you want to make this distinction, you could look at Jesus as the liberal because John went out, John uh, wore camel's hair, and those are not good distinctions. I just want to say that because we have so affixed and attached so many things to those to those labels that it's kind of unfair in in some essence, some sense, but but to realize how John was living in, in such a secluded life and what he wore for clothing, his camel's hair, his leather belt, what he was eating, and here was Jesus uh, going to weddings and things of this nature and, it, um, you know, perhaps uh, 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 I- indulging in wine and things of that nature that perhaps John didn't do. We don't know for sure that Jesus did or did not drink, um, but but there's a distinction in how these two lived. And, and John went out to the wilderness. Jesus went into the cities, and there's just some distinctions that we would find there. People went out to him, it says, from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan, confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. I mean, they were publicly confessing sin. They were experiencing the power of God because the power of God, although this was not yet the full gospel of God, the power of God was coming through the message of God brought by John the Baptist where he was saying, prepare the way of the Lord. So they're confessing their sins, and then they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But notice what John says. When he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And uh, the, the I mean, they were coming out, and maybe they were going through the motions, and that can be like many people in our day. They go through the church motions. They practice churchianity, but not Christianity, and I do believe there is a difference. Now, churchianity is a word that that various of us as preachers and teachers have come up with and used over the, over the decades that people who are engaged thinking, hey, I'm good because I, I'm a church person. But Jesus, uh, John speaks to these types of people and says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? And then he says this, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Uh, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. Just because you are Jewish in descent, uh, just because you are Jewish in 
your ethnicity just because your um, ancestry DNA says you're from one of the tribes of, of Israel doesn't mean that you're a child of Abraham because a child of Abraham is not only one physically, uh, but even more importantly, one in faith. He is the father of our faith and that we would have faith uh, that, that follows. I, I was going to say mimic, but the, that, the, the idea of mimic maybe it means to imitate, but we would follow after. We would be imitators in that sense of the type of faith that Abraham had. Uh, and, and John goes on and he says this, the axe is ready at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Now that this is in the days of John, this is this is like year thirty to thirty three A.D. when when he is giving this message. However, when we look at this verse, Matthew three ten, the axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. John will later go on and say the apostle John this is speaking this is John the Baptist speaking the apostle John will later on go on and, and repeat the words of Jesus in John 15 about Christians that do not bear fruit or people who look like Christians who do not bear fruit where Jesus will say every tree in me that does not produce fruit is cut off is dried up and thrown into the fire so for us as Christians to take to heart that the reality that we are supposed to produce fruit. Uh, there's the fruit of righteousness. Uh, there is the fruit of the Spirit that the Spirit produces in us as we keep in step with the Spirit. And then there's the fruit of the harvest, the, the, the fruit of evangelism, the fruit of disciple-making. We are to produce fruit. So, Christian, if if you're a person that's not producing the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of righteousness, and the fruit of the harvest, there is a warning here about being cut off. Now, uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 will, talks about those who escape uh, uh, th those who escape the flames just barely. And I think there are going to be lots of Christians who will barely escape the flames. They're, they're going to make the cut of heaven. There's not going to be reward for them in heaven. They're going to, I, I do believe as we enter heaven, there's going to be at least some measure of, of sadness, at least momentary sadness, when we realize how, how far we missed the mark on earth. But then that momentary sadness will be swallowed up in our uh, absolute wonder at the presence of the Son of God and the throne of God, and God himself will be so caught up in who he is that, that we will quickly be quickly forget about those things. But I do think there's going to be that, that moment, that moment of judgment, the, the beam of seed of Christ, where we're going to realize how badly we blew it on earth, how many times we missed the mark. And so I, I plead with you, I, I believe the scriptures encourage us, to not just live the nominal Christian life, but to say, Lord, help me to bear fruit. How do we bear fruit? Well, ways that we bear fruit are, are by trying to point others to Christ and how we live life. We bear fruit by trying to help others come into the fold of God, by by communicating the gospel. How do we 
bear fruit. We bear fruit by learning all the more how to live life in the Holy Spirit so that we bear the fruit of the Spirit. Go look at Galatians. There are too many Christians on either side of the equation, actually, some who are so caught up with, with I'm going to put this in quotes, the things of the Spirit, that sometimes those things of the Spirit seem to be kind of counter to what the Bible has to say. And those are things you have to be weary of and be careful of because what spirit is that? And yet the other side of the equation is those who 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 are not responsive to the Holy Spirit because they're they're so paralyzed theologically, so fearful of the Holy Spirit um, that that they don't let open themselves to the workings of the Spirit. The Apostle Paul speaks about the workings of the Spirit clearly in numerous places. Jesus in John 14, 15, 16 will will speak clearly about the workings of the Spirit in the life of the believer. You and I, more and more. Today I'll be driving, uh, I'll be driving uh, down to Portland later this afternoon, uh, prior to a class, not one that I'm teaching, but just to make sure things are good with our professor there, and then going on to pick up something down in New Hampshire for the house that uh, we hope to be closing on here soon, and uh, something that my wife wants uh, that she bought. I gave her permission. I got to go pick it up. Um, It's like, okay, you gave her permission. Some of you are thinking you gave her. Well, we talked about it, and you know, I'm trying to make the financial decisions for us. So that's what it means. But anyway, I, as I'm going down uh, along the way, I I, I want to be talking with God. I, I want to be speaking with God as, as, as I uh, head out this morning for an 8 o'clock uh, appointment and then another appointment after that, and then yet another appointment after that. Um, I'll, I, I want to, and I want to encourage you as you get into your day to to say, Lord, I want to keep in step with the Spirit. Um, in fact, the verse talks about, I'm talking about bearing fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, walking in the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. I think I named all of them. That is from Galatians 5.22. And... Uh, so I, I just encourage us all to bear the fruit of the Spirit by keeping a step with the Spirit. I encourage all of us to bear the fruit of righteousness by seeking to live a righteous life and be weary of self-righteousness. As you all know, I've said numerous times that self-righteousness smells worse than chicken manure. It does. If you've ever been around places where they have spread chicken manure, I think self-righteousness smells worse than that. that that's just my little thing. I live in Waldo County, Maine, where there used to be all kinds of chicken farms. I lived in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania, where there were chicken farms. And when they would spread that manure, oh, my goodness, there's no worse stench except self-righteousness. So beware of self-righteousness. Make sure that we're bearing fruit. This all comes out of Matthew 3.10. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Make sure you're not putting yourself in the place where you will be cut down and thrown into the fire. 
John continues and says, and this is John the Baptist, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I. And this is the beginning of the revelation uh, in the introduction of who Jesus is to the Jewish world. John is the one, that the forerunner who, who gives this introduction. And he says, after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry, or some translations say, whose sandals I am not fit to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, it's not fire, like literal fire, like it's going to burn the hair on your head, but the fire of God, the fire of the Spirit, the, the fire of desire, the fire of passion for God. And if you're lacking in that desire, if you're lacking in that fire for God today, I encourage you, ask God to fill you with fire. Ask God to fill you with passion. Ask God to meet you where you are. Ask The idea of being baptized in the Spirit, I mean, what John was doing was a powerful thing in baptizing people in water, and he says that baptism in the Spirit is even more powerful. Now, some teach that uh, numerous baptisms of the Spirit. Others teach one baptism of the Spirit. Um, and I, I think that actually there is some aspect of both that is true. I mean, I absolutely believe that we are baptized with the Spirit. Being baptized with the Spirit means that we are placed into the body of Christ and we receive Christ and we legitimately, truly, <coughs> excuse me, I swallowed wrong, uh, trust in Christ, uh, we are baptized into the body of Christ. We are put into Christ. We are given the Holy Spirit in that moment. And, and I, I believe that that is the, the theological, correct theological understanding of being baptized in the Spirit. But I also think that the idea of baptism is an outpouring of the Spirit. And and uh, I, I do believe that there are more than one outpourings of the Spirit. I believe there is the baptism in the body of Christ, but but that I need to be baptized with the Spirit. Anointing might be another word. I need to be an, anointed by the Spirit to correctly communicate the Word of God, uh, to preach in the Spirit's power, uh, to to have have the words of the gospel to share with somebody when the opportunity presents itself. In a sense, that also is a baptism. Uh, so I am suggesting to you that there is the, the one baptism of being placed in the body of Christ, that you don't fall into that and fall out of that particular baptism. But, but the necessity of, of other pourings out of the Spirit I don't reject that. I know that I have some friends that would reject that, but but as I look at the scriptures, I think that that, that the Holy Spirit needs to be poured out uh, on many occasions in our lives. He needs to be poured into our lives. John, uh, not John. Romans chapter five talks about the love of God being shed abroad in our heart, being poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. In a sense, there is that, that baptism work of the Spirit, pouring God's love continually into our hearts. What we do know is that Jesus, the gospel that Jesus brought, uh, brings with it the baptism of the Spirit. It brings with it a sense of, of lighting us up in the fire. And if you are cold, if you are tempted, 
uh, if you are um, lukewarm, uh, I, I would I would beg you, I would urge you to to make your prayer, make your pleading with God. God set me on fire for you. Give me a hunger for the Word. Give me a hunger for the workings of the Spirit. Give me opportunities to bear fruit. Give me opportunities to share Christ with people. Help me to 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 walk with you. Help me to know you. Help me to experience your your fellowship. That that's my prayer, because it. it as it says here in Matthew chapter 3, uh, verse 11, John saying that John the Baptist, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not carried to fit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire for us to to want to make sure that we are not the chaff. Uh, we've been watching the winnowing of the church since COVID started. And, and I'm not talking just Veracity Chapel. I am talking more broadly than that. I am talking the church um, uh, I, I'm talking the, the, the church I looked at the comments and I, I threw my thoughts uh, into disarray, um, but the church, the, the winnowing for in the church, that's what I was talking about. I mean, there are those who are among us who aren't really of us. Uh, they want the things that they want, but they're not so interested in the things of God. Uh, and God has used COVID, many of us believe, to kind of separate out the, the uh, those people, those who aren't uh, truly interested in the things of God. They they want the social experience. They want the old-time song experience. So they want the modern-time song experience. Uh, but they're maybe not interested in the things of God. God has been winnowing out some of those people. And there will come a day yet, I believe, uh, of that separation of the wheat and the chaff. Uh, it's happening in our day, and, and, and I believe it will continue in our day. And there will come a day when the angels will show up uh, and a, a day when the angels will um, separate the wheat and the and the chaff. Jesus will go on later and tell a parable. Don't don't pluck up the wheat and the tares. Let them grow up together. There will come a day when they will get separated. But that's not for you to do because you might wound uh, the wheat that's growing up with those tares. Warnings that are given. I, I haven't even really gotten into. Uh, much more of John's announcement other than the fact that that uh, John says that Jesus is more powerful than I. John says that his sandals I'm not fit to carry. Uh, he will baptize you with the Spirit and with fire. These things will happen. Um, this is the beginning of the introduction to G uh, of Jesus uh, to the, the Jewish culture to the people around Judea in that day. And there's so much for us that we can pick out of this. Well, I, I'm going to stop there in the teaching. I do want to answer the question, one baptism of spirit happens when, uh, and it just depends on how you want to parse the words, okay, really. Uh, and I, I believe I was clear in saying this. I do believe that the, the most theologically correct understanding of the word 
uh, of the baptism of the Spirit uh, is being baptized into the body of Christ, one-time occurrence. However, baptism also can be viewed as a pouring out of the Spirit. The filling of the Spirit happens when God uses us in ministry. Uh, the filling of the Spirit happens can happen not just using us in ministry. The fill, filling of the Spirit can happen to us uh, when, when we are in a time of personal worship all by ourselves. The, the filling of the Spirit is, is not only for service, but the filling of the Spirit is for the living out of the Christian life. What I am saying is this. Theological understanding, baptism, baptized in the body of Christ, that one-time occurrence. But there, there continues to be the pourings out of the Spirit, which if I were to take a jug of water and pour it over your head numerous times, I mean, that, that is a pouring out uh, into you or onto you. I believe the Holy Spirit, this is the idea of filling. He's there to fill us all the time. Uh, I, I believe that the Spirit's uh, power uniquely comes on us at, at times, especially when we're trying to walk with the Spirit, when we're trying to live with the Spirit, when we're wanting to be used by the Spirit for, for ministry, for the kingdom of God. Uh, I, 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 do, I do believe that uh, although all of his power is always present and always available to us, I, I do I do believe in, in uh, unique empowerments, uh, unique opportunities, times when you maybe have the unique opportunity to share the, the words of the gospel and, and you've, you've thought to yourself, I don't know how to do this, but you open your mouth and, and the spirit in this sense, it, in this sense, the spirit is, is poured out upon you to, to give you those words. Now, is it the spirit working from within you? Is it the Spirit being poured out upon you? I have already referenced John, chat, not John, Romans chapter 5, the idea of the Holy Spirit uh, spreading abroad or pouring into our hearts the love of God, which is an, a, a continual thing, a continual pouring of the love of God into our hearts by the Spirit of God. I, I think both are true. I, I Personally, I think it would be inaccurate to state uh state it either way. I, I think it's personally inaccurate to state that the uh, filling, uh, that the uh, the baptism, the Spirit happens again and again for salvation. I believe it only happens once, legitimate, one legitimate conversion, uh, regenerative time uh, in the life of a person that a person doesn't need to get saved and saved and saved and saved all over again. But what I do believe is that we fall away and come back, fall away and come back, fall away and come back. Or maybe we don't even fall away. We just kind of realize that we've kind of slid away or, or kind of stepped away. or it, you know, And it isn't like we're saying, I'm going to run away from God, but we realize we're not close to God either. Then we need to run back and get close to him. Well, I hope that helped you to understand some things. Um, this is all introduction to Jesus. John the Baptist giving his introduction tomorrow. We'll pick up and go a little further tomorrow's Friday, right? We'll go a little bit further looking at the baptism of Jesus and things that we can learn from uh, from that place. Lord, help us today to be people who want to be filled with the Spirit. Help us today to be people who want to be controlled by the Spirit. Help us today to be people who produce fruit. Uh, help us to be people today uh, who point others to Christ. Help us today to love you all the more. May our lives and how we live and our actions speak for you. 
And as you give us occasion, may our lips speak for you as well. All for the glory of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, friends, that is a wrap for today. I will get you into your day. Have a fantastic day. I will see you tomorrow.